Yes, hello my friends and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris, his name is Hayden Winks. Isn't it just a beautiful time, Hayden, when we only have to prepare for four games? Yeah, it's time for the NFL to chop off like the bottom <laughs> six to eight teams. That would be pretty helpful. Uh, turn into any of the English soccer leagues and only have 20 teams in, in your division and just relegate the other 12. Yes. Let's uh let's now rank the the bottom 12 teams that we are relegating right now from yeah, the NFL. I would so love we to start see... off with the Jets, we start <laughs> off with the Jaguars. Texans. Sorry, Trevor. Go, go from there. <laughs> Maybe that's a fun exercise for the summer. Yeah. It actually sounds like a true weather show contest. Yeah, I feel like that would not be great for SEO and for our thumbs up percentages, <laughs> just pissing off a quarter of our fans. That'd be great. Yeah, Duval's gonna come for our heads. Um, okay. Today, everyone, you know it, you love it. It's our game-by-game preview show. Yes, it is the divisional round. A few housekeeping notes before we get there. One, the special line is back. For all of you that did not take the over on Stefan Diggs receiving yards line last week, you can do that this week with a Debo Samuel over receiving yards line. It's just a single yard. That's it. I know he also has a total yards pick'em line in the pick'em lobby, but... Again, if you didn't take last week's, you still have it in use. It's the free square. Hayden and I would suggest, maybe not speaking for Hayden, I would suggest only coupling it with either one or two. So you again, you get a free square in a pick two or a pick three. But I've seen a lot of people hit last weekend with the uh, with the pick five. So as we go through here, Hayden, I would love to shout out any of the pick of lines that we see uh, that are noteworthy for each of these four contests. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, this is this is basically free money. So this is the time. If you never tried pick them, try it this time. And never forget, we have DFS games too. It's not just well, player prop. We have snake we drafts. We yeah, do the, the snake drafts is where 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 you can make some money, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, we also have MMA now. I'm going to pull it up right now. So for those of you, what a Saturday this can be for the entire community, the entire chat. We just posted with the Francis Ngannou. Cyril Ghosn line this weekend, the fight card this weekend, also Brandon Marino, Devinson Figueredo. So go. I know all of you have been claiming for MMA, UFC, Pick'em Lobby as well. I mean, cross sports with the NFL, those two games on Saturday and finishing off, capping it off with a little nightcap of the UFC. Whew. I have an over-under for you. Oh. Months in the hospital of Francis Nguanu hit you in the head. <laughs> over I don't know if you've ever seen it. I wish I could pull it up here, but we're on YouTube. Don't want to get the entire channel taken down. On your free time, you and the rest of the chat, Ngano versus Alistair Overeem. I thought his head might be decapitated from his mm-hmm. body. In fact, I think his his neck elongated by an extra inch after the uppercut from Doom that Francis hit him with. I'm sure he, you've seen that one before. Yeah, he turned into like Mike Glennon. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, he turned into a giraffe I after think that. The Josh Norris, one of the things he likes is the UFC, like on the yeah. low, uh, the UFC guy. I I watch it a lot less than I used to. And I, I would say that's the UFC's fault because now they have a fight card every single weekend. But uh, and I'm also up at 630 in the morning watching Premier League soccer on Saturdays, too. So, you know, Saturdays okay. can only be can only be a certain time limit long. OK, speaking of the show can only be a certain length. And let's go now to the football games. Let's start off with the Saturday contests as I pull up my Saturday swipe. And here we go. 
the Cincinnati Bengals, the Tennessee Titans, a total of 47 in this game, three and a half point favorites. The Titans are here, Hayden. Ryan Tannehill had just 65 dropbacks all season long with Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones on the field. Yes, hopefully we get Derrick Henry back. The player that was one of the biggest difference makers across the league. We saw what the Bengals did last week. Their offense right now is at its best. It's at its peak. What are your expectations for the Titans could put out there here in the second round of the playoffs? So let's start with Derrick Henry. Todd Downing said that Derrick Henry has, quote, progressed well. And then they asked him about the load management. And they said that if given the green light to play uh, by the running backs coach, then it's going to come down to like flow of the game. To me, it seems like they're not going to give Derrick Henry that big of a workload. Like I know it's hmm. the playoffs, but this is a stress fracture. And what do you do when you have a stress fracture? You don't play on it very often. So I think I'm going to be looking at Deonta Foreman overs and maybe Derrick Henry unders just in general. I think I'm going to be on team fade the big dog uh, of note. Deonta Foreman started handled most of the carries. Dontrell Hilliard is more of the third down back. I think what's going to happen is all three of them are going to play. Remember those weeks where the oh, Titans yeah. were trotting out every running back. I think that's kind of going to be what happens here. And they're going to use Derrick Henry in spurts here, but even that, would be an upgrade and at least a little more of a threat for the Bengals defense, which has uh, Trey Hendrickson back. That is good news, but I think it's a middle of the pack defense and we have no idea how good the Titans offense can be because like you said, what 65 dropbacks with yeah. everyone on the field. That's just, we have no idea what the range of outcomes are for them. Right. And we do know though, that their offensive line, as we've talked about all season long, much better as run blockers than pass protectors. And especially the left side of the offensive line, you're getting Roger Saffold back and also Terry Lewan. And the Bengals have struggled to defend backs down the stretch of the season. They allowed five and a half yards per carry to backs over the final five games. And again, prior to his, hin- his injury, Derrick Henry, I mean, averaged 29.6 touches per game with a low, a season low of 20. I mean, 237 touches were third most through eight games of any NFL season of all time. You mentioned it. Trey Hendrickson should be back here from his concussion. He has cleared those protocols. And we're pulling it up here, a tweet from Ben Fennell. DJ Reader in the middle of this defense has been the key for the Bengals to shut down a lot of opposing offensive run games to the point that they could, right? And it's yeah. because of this two-gapping stuff. I mean, he's taking up two blockers here and allowing both linebackers to swarm to swarm to the linebackers or excuse me to the running back but i have a real real concern because it's not just if derrick henry can do it like the titans were about 15 or 20 yards less even without him per game rushing like foreman and really Dontre hilliard can can get it done if it has to come to that and no larry Ogunjobi. he just went yes. on injured reserve too. mike so. daniels yeah, so this is not the peak Bengals defense. Um, Vegas has adjusted, though. They're only projected for 25 and a half and 22 points. I think I feel like I would have expected that to be a little bit higher, but with all the injury concerns, I think that they have this priced appropriately. Um, I want to make one flag plant on this offense. Love it. Give me Julio Jones. In his th- three games back, when he came back from that injury, he was clearly not healthy if you were watching the games. Obvious, if you're looking at box scores, obvious. He averaged 0.61 yards per route run in those three games. Then they got him a, a week of rest. 
And then in week 18, he had a 2.17 yards per route run, one of the highest of, of the year. He looked healthy to me. He's not going to have to face number one corners. And we know that teams are going to be stacked in the box against this unit because they have so many tight ends. So I think that we might see some of the best Julio Jones of the season, which isn't saying a lot because of how bad the season was. But if there was a time for Julio to come up and ball out for a stretch, I can see it starting here. And obviously, I think the most important player to this offense is not Derrick Henry this game. I think it's A.J. AJ Brown. AJ Brown's a special, special, special talent. And I think I'm on team Titans in a close one, like 24, 23. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, But I think that AJ Brown with a healthy Julio Jones uh, should be just enough. Ryan Tannehill has the lowest pick them line for passing yards of any quarterback this weekend. 23, 235 and a half, I should say. Um, And it does make sense, but I can also see Ryan Tannehill making these, you know, pinpoint important downfield throws because by a lot of metrics and people's eyes, he's really, really good at throwing down the field. And so again, getting AJ Brown, who this season has had games of eight for 133 and one, 10 for 155 and one, 11 for 145 and one. Now he's had about six or seven also that went for less than 50 yards. But this is like such a meaningful week after having a bye week that like never has this offense felt this good since, I don't know, the start of the season. If that, like, because Julio and and AJ Brown didn't even like take a snap together during training camp all year. Like this is finally, by the way, Julio and Taylor Lewan did a press conference together saying how much they loved each other. Like maybe we're finally getting Julio as, as a, as a part of this team. Um, Okay. So that's your flag plant for Julio at 41 and a half. And by the way, in the pick and lobby, Deontay Foreman, Derek Henry, those numbers are not up yet. They 100% will be on Saturday. I just know the risk team is waiting, waiting for some news to hit. Okay. I think we've covered. Well, real quick, the, the Derek Henry stuff, they assume he's playing. It's not like put it Locked in concrete in. yet yeah. either. So I think that the risk team was being smart about that. Yeah. Okay. So how I view this game, because you just told me how you did. Like I can see the Titans winning with their defensive line. We'll get to this in a moment. I can see the Titans winning with their running game, as we just discussed. I can see Ryan Tannehill hitting big time throws to AJ Brown and Julio Jones and the other no names that he's been doing it for multiple games. The only advantage I really see for the Bengals is Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and the others. But is it it's like too much of my simple brain to say if the Bengals are going to win this one, Joe Burrow has to have another like spectacular, stellar, almost perfect performance. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think that we're at least going to get the ball into his hands. The last three games, the three highest neutral pass rate games of the scene of the season for the Bengals have been the last three games with Joe Burrow. I, I do want to mention, like I, I rewatched the games this morning. I mean, whenever Jamar Chase, it's press man coverage or it's cover three in the safety is tilted towards T Higgins size, which doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. I mean, it is locked on like <laughs> he's like some prey or something like he's throwing Jamar Chase the damn ball. The issue is with this game, though, the Titans are six in, in too high shell rate. They basically only rush with four. They yep. don't blitz very often. And the reason why they play that is because they actually have a front front four that could really give you some trouble, um, especially if they get Bud Dupree going. And on the flip side, they are third in light box rate too. So it's a bunch of defensive backs in the backfield. So I don't think we're going to see the same stuff. That Ravens game, the Raiders game, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult schematically. So I can kind of see them 
going to Joe Mixon like maybe like 10% more than we've been used in mm. the last couple of games. Um, and I just wanted to throw out the Bengals last game. Their rush attack was actually pretty sick to watch. It was a bunch of pitches, and some of them were going to Jamar Chase on the on those uh uh it's basically those those plays sweet, right behind the backfield and all that yeah, all that yep. stuff. But a lot of it was just Joe Mixon tossing them, and then they were getting some pullers out, and they were rarely running up the middle. So this is not even if they are gonna run the ball, I think they're gonna run it over the perimeter a little bit and let Joe Mixon's athleticism go and kind of hide some of their, their issues on the offensive line. When you get guys in space, you don't have to be like win with power as often. Yeah. I think Burrow to chase Burrow to Higgins down the stretch of the season made people forget that Joe Mixon has 18 or more touches in 10 straight games. He's going to get the ball. I don't know how successful it's going to be because the Titans run defense is awesome. Like their linebackers are kind of thumpers and then their defensive line, as you talked about, I mean, the Titans are 28th in the league in blitz rate. They only blitz on 19.9% of dropbacks this season. It's because they don't need to. Harold Landry, Danico Autry, Simmons. I mean, you mentioned Bud Dupree. He's athletic, and he missed part of the season, but now he's back. Again, I can see the Titans winning with their defensive line up front because Jonah Williams and maybe one other offensive lineman are dependable along there. The Raiders lost we're winning last week with with Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe but Joe Burrow was so quick in his decision making that it really didn't matter now this is a much different defense that the Titans put out there right Mike Vrabel and company really do change it up week to week it's um it's a Patriot style right it's not just we're gonna play cover three we're gonna play cover one and that's what we do and so confusing him forcing him to hold on to the football where we know Joe Burrow has led the NFL in sacks this season. When he has a hot, it's great. When it's not, he's not really going to do that much all that often. I'm fearful. I'm fearful of what this Bengals offense can be if they don't get some rhythm and consistency going as, you know, simple-minded as it is with Joe Mixon. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's a, definitely on paper a more difficult schematic uh, matchup for the Bengals. With that said, though, since week 10, that's when they had their bye week. The Bengals are fifth in EPA per play, third in EPA per dropback. So we're talking about like officially an elite offense. So even if there are some schematic issues, you can still see some outcomes where they can really throw up some big numbers. But I think I think I'm on team a little bit more Joe Mixon than we're used to. And maybe it'll be a little harder for Jamar Chase to get going. But they've been using Jamar Chase like all over the field now where it's like, oh, yeah. he's clearly our best. Like there's a difference between T Higgins and Jamar chase. In my opinion, like T Higgins, a fine player, like pr- maybe a number one, probably a really good, like our elite number two receiver. Jamar chase just moves differently. And they're giving them the ball. And I think that that spread between the targets is probably going to remain a little bit wider than it was in the regular season because oh, yeah. like it's go time right now for Jamar chase. I, I said the exact same thing on, on our Tuesday show because chase is the type who the rhythm and the timing of those back shoulders when he does get isolated coverage, it's there. The fourth and ones, the other runs from the backfield, like that is something with his yards after catch capabilities that T Higgins is, is never going to do. I, I know during the season, there were points when they kind of ping pong big weeks back and forth, but T Higgins at his heart is a jump ball wide receiver. He is yeah. a contested catch wide receiver. Jamar chase is an everything an everything wide receiver. So, yeah, to me, there's a clear, clear difference between the two. And again, the Titans understand like their secondary is worse than their defensive line. So put more people back, give them some help, 
make things a bit more complicated and allow the front four, which has dominated some games. I think it was the Colts game. They rough them up, rough them up, up front. Um, a couple notes and nuggets as I picked up while researching this game. Joe Burrow has played just one road game since Thanksgiving, and it was against the Denver Broncos. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they only had two in total, but obviously the final week he did not play. Um, and opposing wide receivers against the Titans have combined for 23 targets per game, which I think is top five or top six in the NFL. Okay, so we gave a pick on the Titans side. Is there anything we're leaning here on the Bengals side? I, based on my conversation, how I've been handling this after T. Higgins spikes during the you know second third of this season, I want to take the under on 65 and a half receiving yards for T. Higgins. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at the actual receiving yards, but I know CJ Uzoma is not coming off the field, period. So that might be something where if you go look, you can kind of see what CJ Uzoma has got cooking up. But before we leave this game, I need I need a score project project oh. uh, prediction. I know we don't do this often, but I think that these yep. games are so good. I got 24, 23 Titans. What do you got? I don't know about score. I'll, I'm just going to tell you if they cover the spread or not. Okay, I'm better at doing that than. Well, well what is it going to be 38 to 35 or are you talking to this so, fight? Again, spreads three and a half. I just think the Titans wouldn't buy a touchdown. Okay. I think that I think they wouldn't buy at least six in this game. Um right. I think the Bengals have been a great story. Shout out to Joe Goodberry, who called the Bengals being a double-digit win team this year before anyone else did, at least that I'm aware of. And I, I just Maybe you and I are just too high on the Titans, but I think maybe the public is a bit high in, on the Bengals right now. And uh, I really like the Titans covering this three and a half. Yeah, I All think right. we just come down to we have we realize we haven't seen the best of the Titans yet. Yes. Like I think that's like there's a range of outcomes where those three dudes are ready to go. And it's just like, all right, that's pretty scary. Hey, it certainly didn't bite us when I said that about the Cowboys either. Uh, so <laughs> well, but Vrabel's a good coach. Vrabel will get them get them ready. OK, next game on Saturday. The 49ers, the Green Bay Packers, another total of 47 here, but the Packers are favored by six. These two teams faced off in week three. The Packers won that game 30 to 28 with a last second field goal after leading all game. The 49ers were the lone underdog to win last weekend. We all know that. The Packers this season have been undefeated at home with a plus 111 point differential at Lambeau Field. I know there's a lot of injury news on the 49ers end, but we just saw them. So let's start off with the Packers here, Hayden, and their offense. What's your expectation on that end of the ball? So big news, uh, Joey Bosa, or Nick Bosa, sorry. Uh, Nick Bosa practiced in full. He's likely to play. So that's going to be the biggest threat because we don't know if David Bakhtiari is going to play. I'm going to guess he did because he played in week 18, but he's gone DNP, limited DNP in practice. I think that they're just like trying to let him you know, chill out for a second. Um, they're getting their right tackle back, which is good news. They're going to be missing Marquez Valdez Scantling. He's listed as doubtful. And I oh. think that he's probably the Packers most underrated offensive player. I actually think he's a good receiver. I think a lot of people think that he's trash. I disagree. Uh, if you look at their EPA per, per pass, the Packers are 0.07 better with MVS on the field when they're, whenever they're in three wide receiver sets. What's going to happen here with MVS out is Alan Lazard's going to go from that like big slot player on the perimeter. And I don't think he's as good as a perimeter player as he is in the slot. And Randall Cobb is going to go into the starting lineup. There's a, a big, uh, from weeks four to week seven, Devontae Adams, 93% routes. Alan Lazard, 90% routes. Randall Cobb, 
62% routes. That was when MVS was initially out. I think that's going to be your base three wide receiver sets. Uh, the difference between those games and this game is there's no Robert Tunyon. Um, so I think they're going to get creative with their running backs. I can see Aaron Jones being even a bigger focal point. There was like a down period where like I was really selling Aaron Jones and fantasy, like basically like from September onwards. I think this is the time to buy the dip. I think they're going to have to use them, um, especially it's going to be what, like 10 degrees again in, in Green Bay. Yeah, you mentioned David Bakhtiari. He did play, I think, like 27 snaps there in in week 18. I think they're getting Josh Myers back, their center as well, who hasn't been playing since week six. Billy Turner's been out since week 14, I believe, on the COVID list, and hopefully he's back as well. This is an offensive line that had a bunch of no-names that filled in admirably, and now they might be the healthiest all year, even without Elton Jenkins. I think part of that works so well because Aaron Rodgers is so quick in some of his passes, like so quick in some of his decisions. We kind of make fun of Tua in Miami with the RPOs and all the crossers and outside breaking routes and speed outs and all that kind of stuff. Aaron Rodgers is running that stuff too. But then the biggest difference is when he recognizes previously MVS isolate on the outside or a slot fade like he did in the last game against the 49ers on a third and three with Adam Lazard. These are just beautiful pinpoint passes that it's like he walked up there and placed them over the shoulder in these wide receivers hands that go for 25, 35, 40 yards. Like that's the difference between him who can play the quick game. Also not turning the football over, but then hitting these deep shots over and over again. Yeah. I mean, just going back to that week three performance, the Packers were up 10 to nothing. They failed on a fourth and one near the goal line easily could have been 17 to nothing. It still got to 17 to nothing. At that point, then they allowed a huge kick return, which kind of gave not momentum, but, you know, a shot back here for the 49ers and Jimmy and the company got it going in the second half. Basically, what I'm saying is we've seen this Packers offense go through that 49ers defense, and it's possible that it happens for both halves this time instead of just one half like last time. Yeah, their O-line holds up. I like their chances. Like, I think they're going to score about like 27 points or something. I think like the biggest storyline here, though, is on the other side of the ball with Jimmy G. So he got into full practice today. He's going to play, but he's dealing with a right thumb and a right shoulder sprain. He played through it um, uh, last last game. But if you were looking at his on-target percentage, this is a stat from Sports Info Solutions. Um, This year, Jimmy G's on-target percentage was 76%. In quarters two, three, and four last week, and that's when he injured his shoulder, that dropped down to 53%. That's when he had the interception a couple of near interceptions, like ones that were batted. And then there was that, that one throw that everybody was freaking out where he missed Brandon Ayuk wide open. All of that happened after the shoulder injury. And I think that's like the big thing to keep in mind. We got this uh, guy that's been playing in California. Like me doesn't like the cold with 25 percentile of hands. And it's going to be nine degrees and you have a, a, a thumb injury and your shoulders bugging you. I think the floor is a little bit lower mm. for the 49ers offense except they're going to be able to run the ball on the Packers. Like I'm sure you have some notes on that, but I think the big picture is like, I'm worried about Jimmy G's injuries um, against this type of defense with Jair Alexander coming back in this weather. I don't know. This 49ers team, it was a the dif- different defense coordinator in previous years for the Packers. But a couple of years ago, didn't Raheem Mostert put up like 200 oh, yeah. something rushing yards. And like Jimmy had to throw the ball seven times in that. That's what they wanted game. to do this game. 
for sure. That's 100% what they want to do this game. And I think we're going to find out in the first two series if that's going to be possible or not. Like, this is a different game from their standpoint, too, than the week three game because Eli Mitchell didn't play in that contest. It was yeah. Trey Sermon. Debo Samuel hadn't really taken any backfield touches at all. That was not a thing. And, and now it is. So you get like the consistency of, of Eli Mitchell, who he really trusts between the tackles, either on the zone plays, up the middle, wherever. And then you have toss crack with Debo, who now is not just, we're going to get you to the edge. They're now lining it up, Hayden, with Kyle Yushik coming back around, where he he's then cutting it back because everyone, Micah Parsons, everyone is flowing so much that now he understands if I just work away from the grain, then okay. boom, I created a big play that way as well. To me, the, the big question is that running game, the push on the ball, the ease, is it going to be like a hot knife through butter? Because it has been in previous years. Like Kyle Shanahan has had the Packers number. But I also feel like this Packers defense might be a little bit different. Like we talked about at points this year where the parts now kind of equal a good sum rather than, you know, the Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and whoever else in previous years racking up a whole bunch of sack numbers, but the unit as a whole not looking good. I'm a little nervous that like Kenny Clark is really the only good defensive lineman that this team has up the middle. Let's say up the middle along with linebackers because the spine of this defense can be a little susceptible to the Kyle Shanahan magic and the rushing magic. The Packers just invite the run. Like that's like what they do. They were in a light box at the second highest rate. And then if you look at um, sports info solutions, you can break that down against certain personnels. So the 49ers use 12 personnel and 21 personnel or personnel at above average rates, even against those defenses. When you are, are basically stacking the line of scrimmage, the Packers are still second highest uh, light in the box rate. And that for that reason, they're 30th in EPA per carry, uh, 30th in success rate per carry allowed. They're giving you these runs. And that's the, the strength problem. of the 49ers. Yeah. And that's like the biggest problem. Of any issue with the Packers offense don't really have any. Uh, the passing defense for the Packers is going to be good, especially if they get Jair Alexander back. Um, it's, it's the run defense. And you just happen to be playing the best run defense in the league. Even with that, I still have Jimmy G concerns. I think like what you've been saying this entire offseason and in season about Jimmy G, I think this is going to be the game where you're going to be doing this huge oh. victory lap where you're like, told you so, they, they can't win with him. And I think that this could be like the the worst matchup for Jimmy G. But that assumes that the Packers have to stop this team at all. I'm going to go 27 uh, to 20 uh, Packers here. And I think that Eli Elijah Mitchell is going to have um, a big statistical game. We'll see if Jimmy G can actually do anything himself. So funny. You just outlined a victory lap for me on Saturday evening as I'm sitting by myself. Uh, I think the 49ers win this game straight up. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. Break this down for me. I was not expecting this. Well, I, we, we kind of just did like Jimmy was awful in the first quarter and a half. The last time that they played, it's the typical stuff like interior pressure scared him. Then he missed George Kittle on a wide open third and one. There's a deep interception that he threw for absolutely no reason into double coverage. But again, Eli Mitchell has really been a foundation piece for this 49ers team. They partially could not get the running game going at all in that first contest because he wasn't there. And now you throw in the X factor of Debo Samuel. It's like, hey, things aren't working with Eli, which they have been consistently. 
go give five touches in a row to Debo here. You know, like that's a possibility. Plus, Brandon Ayuk, that was week three. He was still in the doghouse. Jawan Jennings had not emerged. Mo, Mo Sanu was playing a lot he was. in that game. Like, I just think that this 49ers team where it's at right now is much, much better off. Now, I do believe like the Packers have some really good, like they have some really good pass rushers. They have some really good defensive pieces as well. Rashawn Gary has really emerged this season. But part of me just buys into, just buys into Kyle Shanahan doing enough, game planning enough, and then hopefully Nick Bosa plays and like one or two, even though Aaron Rodgers doesn't turn the football over, one or two turnovers is like the huge difference here, the huge difference. Yeah, I, I, I can see that that playing out. I think it's going to be through e- Elijah Mitchell. Like that's the, I think that's the big. Okay, well, let's here. let's pull up the pick em lobby then because Eli Mitchell right now is at 77 and a half rushing yards. Um, I actually really like, and this is so random, I should let you talk first. Kyle Juszczyk at 10 and a half receiving yards because Kyle Juszczyk is playing a lot right now. Talk about X factors and how Kyle is probably in his vault this week, drawing up some plays. If use check is out there for, to dictate certain personnel groupings, you get him on easy backside, you know, opposite the flow of the play one-on-one with a slower linebacker. Boom. One reception gets you 12 yards. Like I really like Kyle you over this 10 and a half mark. I, I haven't looked at the, I have no idea how many receiving yards he gets uh, per game, but I will say them being light in the box against, uh, 12 or 21 personnel that kind of screams play action, little dump off that they're going to be light over there. So I, I, I kind of track that. I have no idea if Kyle use checks be getting six yards a game or 12 yards. So that's on you guys to go look, look that up. Well, look, I'll even pull it up in his last few games. I mean, last week he had 15. There we go. Just give me another 15 and we, we hit the over. <laughs> that's all we need. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned that MVS is out. Does that lead you any more to Alan Lazard at 38 and a half receiving yards? You also brought up Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones right now, just 76 and a half total yards here. It, those are the two I like best out of okay. this game right there. Okay. They, I think they're, they're just going to be used. They're, they're not going to come off the field. And like, this is the time they paid Aaron Jones all that money to go out there and use him, especially as a receiver. Um, if you look at the on-off splits, and this is really noisy. I don't even like doing this. But when MVS was off the field, Aaron Jones was getting peppered with targets. And since then, he really hasn't been getting uh, as many. So something looking to do. And I'm so glad on paper that we get all of these Packers offensive linemen back. I'm just a little nervous that how good they're all going to right. be back together immediately versus a San Francisco defensive line that has just been terrorizing people for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And they go like six deep. They go six deep doing it at times. Uh, final note, our buddy Rich Rebar knows I love my red zone touchdown rates. Um the 49ers are first in the NFL in red zone touchdown rate at 66.7%, while the Packers are 29th in red zone conversion rate defensively at 67.3. That's sounds the like worst. we're the worst like of we're all the playoff regression. This is regression mm. 101. Time to bet on the Packers for sure now. Okay. Well, we're over to Saturday. Uh, finish with Saturday. Over to Sunday now. Two more beautiful games here. And we go on over to the Los Angeles Rams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a total of 48 and a half with the Bucs as three-point favorites. Oh, once again, these two teams played in week three. The Rams won that contest 34 to 24. 
Hayden, that was without Odo Beckham. That was without Cam Akers. That was without Von Miller. I mean, this Rams team might even be better off than that week three team. And the Bucs are easily worse without the likes of Chris Godwin and company with huge injury questions over the head of Tristan Wirfs at right tackle and even Ryan Jensen at center. Yeah, the Bucs, like now they're really injured. Like this is like the most injured that they've been. Even Brashad Perriman, he hasn't practiced today. It seems like he's doubtful. So the three wide receivers for the Bucs, it's going to be obviously Mike Evans, and then it's going to be Scotty Miller and then Tyler Johnson. And Brady, I mean, was super pissed at Tyler Johnson for not running through that one route last game. So it's really going to come down to, I think Jalen Ramsey is going to stop playing in the slot. And I think yep. that he's going to follow Mike 100%. Evans. They've done that a, a little bit this year, but since the bye, Jalen Ramsey's gone on the outside on 71% of the snaps. I think he's going to follow him. And that's probably the best matchup of any individual matchup of the weekend. A great weekend of football. Mike Evans versus Jalen Ramsey is going to be really sick to watch. Um, I think that could be a Gronk game, especially with the safety issues that the Rams have because of injury. Um, and I think that they're going to have to really get Gronk going because like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, like I guess they're fine backups, but those dudes aren't starters. And we know that the, the, uh, or the, not the Patriots, the bucks are going to always sling the rock against oh, yeah. uh, a fast paced offense on the other side. And especially if they go down the scoreboard like they did in this last game against them. I know this is supposed to be a fantasy show that some people in this football bubble that we reside in say defense doesn't matter. You know how I believe that or think about that in, in playoff time. It absolutely matters because one-on-one matchups like personnel groupings, position groupings dictate wins and losses. Once you get to individual games, I think this Rams defense might be, a perfect match to stop what this current iteration is of this Bucks offense. And like the Saints have done, I'm not saying they're going to be as good as the Saints because they do it in different ways, but you outlined it. Jalen Ramsey on the outside against Mike Evans. And really you have Aaron Donald, you have Von Miller on the outside. The, the Rams do such a good job of like mixing and matching who rushes, who drops. Like last week I, I went back and watched that. They'll put, you know, Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, all in the field at the same time. Sometimes it'll just be a flat five with one dropping. Sometimes I do a gap front. Sometimes I even bring the linebackers and like sugar the A gaps. It's all different stuff. And we know that Tom Brady is so good at identifying things pre-snap and post-snap. But we also know this season, only a couple times when defenses really confuse him, that's when it goes haywire. That's when it goes chaos. It's so difficult to do that. I would argue it happened the last time he faced off against this Los Angeles Rams team. He had to throw the ball 55 times in that contest. Hayden, 30 of those attempts traveled five yards or less, and 15 were behind the line of scrimmage. He was constantly like, oh, I'm not holding this deep. I'm nervous about people around me. I'm getting the ball out of my hands as quickly as possible. The Rams did such a good job of confusing him in the back end and over the middle of the field. And if that's the case, give me a lot of these running backs and tight end overs as well. Yeah, I'm with you. We have to be paying attention to Leonard Fournette. I think that he would be a, a big win if he could be 
healthy enough to play. Uh, Byron Leftwich said that they'll know probably on Friday how big of a role, if any, that he's going to have. Um, but he did say once Leonard Fournette is healthy, quote, Lenny will go back to being Lenny. So I think that he would have uh, a pretty big workload if he's ready. We'll learn more on Friday. If not, Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard split snaps, uh, literally 50-50 with obviously Gio playing passing downs, Keyshawn Johnson, more of the goal line back. But I think like they really do need like Leonard Fournette. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams want to go light box like they always do. And then since they don't have like the skill guys, if they run the ball a little bit more, but yeah. only if they had get Leonard Fournette back, like you can't be doing that with Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn. It, it's funny. We talk about Brady in this offense throwing 13 straight times on some of these drives. Maybe they go 10 straight runs to open it up if, if that's successful early on. I mean, that's very contradictory to who Tom Brady is kind of at his core when he puts the team on his, on his back. But that might be their best avenue without all their best wide receivers and how you're saying lining it up on the defensive end. You mentioned Giovanni Bernard. Back in week three when they played? He got a bunch of passes. Ten targets, nine receptions. Damn. Cameron, Cameron Brate also had four catches for 35 yards. Like, again, if you get him scared, if you get Tom Brady jumpy, he's going to look for that outlet to pick up yards at the catch. And they did a really good job in yards at the catch in that game. And again, I think the Rams are built to, to really, really do that on that end. I'm going to bring up the pick em lines here. Oh, here we go. And I know that we don't have anything yet up for Giovanni Bernard. And maybe I'm going completely random here with my fringe talents. But give me all of the Cameron break 15 and a half over on that receiving yard pick em line. Yeah, I think like this discussion, we kind of laid out like the weaknesses or the potential weaknesses with the matchup here. But still, like Tom Brady absolutely cooked the Eagles and he's been cooking every team this entire year outside of the Saints, basically. So um, 24, 27 points. I think that's kind of the range we're talking about. I, I would be surprised if this was like 35 points for the Bucks. I really would be surprised if that happened. But I don't think there's like shutting out this uh Bucks team really either. I I do agree. The matchups are bad, but I still think that the Bucks yeah. should be able to hold up their end of the bargain. Okay. Well, we haven't talked at all about the Rams offense yet. So let's do that. We know that Matthew Stafford was blitzed on a league low rate of 17% this entire season. We know last week he was blitzed at a season high rate, 50%, and he torched, absolutely torched the Arizona Cardinals. Todd Bowles against the Philadelphia Eagles. Blitz Jalen Hurts 40% of dropbacks. How do you think this Rams offense is going to fail, fail or fair potentially against this Bucks defense that I don't know is probably as healthy as it's been in quite a while? Yeah, I think the Bucks defense is going to be solid. I do think that the Rams big key is what Andrew Whitworth's status is going to be. He hasn't practiced this week yet. Um, and he is 40 years old. So we'll see how he can kind of hold up coming back. But I think that's going to be. Um, one of the storylines here. Uh, the other thing was just how much the Rams ran the ball last week. They, their neutral uh, pass rate was 25%, by far the lowest of the season. That's because they got Sony Michelle and Cam Akers really going on offense. I'm not sure if you can do that same blueprint against this Bucks, uh defense, even if Levante David's a little bit uh, slower, JPP's a little bit slower coming off their injuries. It's still going to be tough to run on Vita Vea, so... Um, I think ultimately they're, they're going to pass the ball, and I think I like their chances of being able to move the ball. I think that we kind of like, I mean, nobody does a roller coaster ride like Matthew Stafford over the season. Like the media is like loving him or hating him like right. every other couple of weeks. I think like 
the baseline outcome is that he's like playing pretty pretty damn well there was a couple plays last game where he was like looking off defenders and slinging the ball on the other side of the field and odell beckham's playing well like after the catch and at the the catch point right now um and cooper cup that was his worst game of the year i think that he'll get 10 targets plus this game too so i think ultimately i'm gonna go like 24 23 bucks but i can see Mm. if i was if i had to pick an upset I think that this would be the upset just because of how many injuries the Bucks have. Lots to cover there. Um, you mentioned Odell Beckham. The player he basically replaced, well, somewhat too, in Robert Woods. and But most importantly, like Deshaun Jackson in a lot of ways, as like a vertical playmaker. Deshaun Jackson had 221 yards in his seven games as a Los Angeles Rams this year, Ram this year. He had 120 of those in this one game against Tampa Bay. Like he had a deep, wide open bomb from Matthew Stafford. And then another pretty significant catch as well. Had five targets in that contest. Maybe we get to see vintage Odell trotting down the field, striding out and coming down with one of those deep balls. You mentioned with Matthew Stafford. I understand like people can say it was just 17 attempts. It was just 17 attempts, whatever it was. A lot of those were like the third read on the backside option. You know, like these are really difficult responsibilities that Sean McVay can give Matthew Stafford. And like, he was on one last week. And I think as long as Andrew Whitworth and the offensive line plays pretty well, and we don't get, you know, as obvious as says, like just stupid decisions for Matthew Stafford, they have advantages both on the offensive side and the defensive side. And we didn't even just mention, you know, Cam Akers, who I would be surprised if they turn back to anything that, Daryl Henderson or Sonny Michelle are doing to the same degree that Cam Akers does it better. I think my projection for Cam Akers, he might start this game. I think that he's going to be more of the passing down back when they're looking for an explosive run. It'll probably be Cam Akers, but Sonny Michelle was still at the goal line on those uh, QB yeah. sneaks that Matthew Stafford had. I think that Sonny Michelle is probably still going to be the goal line back um, for like battle Royale. Or if you're doing the gauntlet NFL playoff best ball drafts, I think I would go Cam Akers, but it's like still very much a coin flip. I'm sure that they don't want to give Cam Akers like 20 touches like that. They almost did that last week, but that feels a little bit aggressive given the circumstances. And I don't think that you're going to get that game script basically ever again, where you're absolutely trouncing teams and especially in this matchup. So I think that like 10 fantasy points for like each, each one of these running backs feels kind of appropriate. I know you gave your pick as the Buccaneers. I'm picking my second underdog here with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think the Bucks, the last two years have been one of the healthiest teams across the league. And last year, especially they had like no significant injuries and it was such an important spot, especially along those front five front five blockers. And I think like, again, going back to this, the Rams defense may, may be among the best in the league at being able to confuse them and hold it for that extra beat or check it down. And they also have pass rushers who can win their one-on-one when they get them isolated and make good on those, you know, either backup blockers or hurt blockers, you know? And so I'm picking the Rams as the upset here. Yep. All right. Let's close it out with a firework laser show all in one, a total of 54 and a half, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, with the Chiefs as two-and-a-half-point favorites. These teams played in Week 5. The Bills won that game by 18 points, 38-20. to 20. But just for those of you at home, 
who track us all season long, think back to our previous thoughts for the Chiefs in week five. They were what? One and four, two and three. Everything was dysfunctional on offense. The defense was historically one of the worst through those stretches. But here we are. It feels a lot better on both sides of the ball for the Kansas City Chiefs. But also they're facing off against the Buffalo Bills, a team that just put up a perfect game offensively. Does this game kind of feel like a Super Bowl? Like yeah. if, if it was up to me, if it was like, all right, Hayden, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? Like forget the conferences. I think I would pick these two teams. Like this is like probably the sweetest matchup in the NFL with the way Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, both of them, I posted this clip on Twitter of Josh Allen. Uh, they were up like 41 to 10 and they ran a play action bootleg. And then Josh Allen threw it off of his opposite foot for a uh, almost touchdown to Dawson Knox, which I thought was hilarious given uh, the rivalry. And then uh, I'm watching the Chiefs game again. And she, uh, Patrick Mahomes does the same exact thing. He hits a laser beam to Travis Kelsey way downfield. So like these two quarterbacks, I think that you're looking at who has the highest ceiling among any quarterback in an individual game. It's these two quarterbacks at the top. And I can see us. Which one's at the top? I mean, I think that Patrick Mahomes is more likely to get there, but I think that like peak Josh Allen is like unstoppable. Some of those runs he had were amazing. Um, And I think that we're dealing with uh, a little bit of injury news on the defense for both sides in that first game, which was a awesome game to rewatch. Tyreek Hill was getting followed by Tredavious White whenever they were going to man coverage, which they didn't do very often, but they did do it a little bit. So you don't have Tredavious White against Tyreek Hill. And Rashad Fenton hasn't practiced this week either. And he's PFF's uh, cornerback five on the year. Um, So that's going to be advantage for Steph Diggs. So I agree. Vegas should have this total be super high. I'm expecting a fireworks show. And um, to me, this is like, a, a, a miniature Super Bowl. I think like this is going to be the best game uh, of the season. The rushing for Josh Allen was such a big deal when we outlined that Bills and Patriots review. It was a huge performance the first time these two teams played as well. I mean, he had 61 rushing yards the last time, including a chunk run early on quarterback power for 22 yards. Another huge gain as well. Nine yard run on a zone read into the end zone. I mean, that is such an X factor for him. And now you bring it into the playoffs where you also have probably a more stable rushing game than they've had for two seasons, more offensive weapons at their disposal that they like than ever before. With Isaiah McKenzie, who we've seen beat man coverage in that first game against the Patriots, you outlined this in the next game. They self-evaluated and said, okay, our tendencies, we knew that 41 Miles Bryant, whoever, is going to track him on these crossing routes over and over and over again. So what are we going to do? We're going to run a freaking return route once he gets directly over top of center. And Miles Bryant has no clue and is completely bewildered. That's just great play calling, great designing by an offensive coordinator that understands Hey, we demolished this team previously. We're going to demolish them again by doing what they don't think we are going to do. I and think both that of these offenses right yeah. now are unbelievable. I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to be a big part of this game plan. Um, how they're using him is kind of their motion guy. And then whenever they're in the backfield, they need some of some of that action. He's going to be in. I can see like this is the game where like you got to maximize 
somebody with that. So I, I'm kind of selling the Cole Beasley stuff. Um, remember, the, the, we talked about this. This was the game where they use uh, Reggie Gilliam, their, their fullback and their H-back, a right. lot. And, we're, and we were like, Cole Beasley's playing 15 snaps. What's up with that? So that was against this matchup. And that was to a dictate certain personnel matchup. groupings and Dawson right. Knox. Cause remember Dawson Knox mossed Rashad Fitton down the yes. field and he was getting open over and over again. Yes. So I, Cole Beasley only played on 29% of the dropbacks last week. And we have that same issue um, from week five. So I think that Cole Beasley unders would be something like, I, I mean, picking an under in this game though, seems like <laughs> death, but uh, if I had to pick one, it would be Cole Beasley. Uh, I think it's going to be a ton of Dawson Knox, um, the Chiefs historically are a team that like wants you to go through your running backs and your tight ends and your slot receivers if you can. So that's why I think it's like Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox a little bit. But the fact that Rashad or uh, Rashad Fenton is, is likely out in this game, I mean, Steph Diggs can erupt as well. I know that 329 total yards seems like a lot, but this is a game where the total is 54 and a half. I think like if it hits that total at all, some people are taking the over here. Josh Allen is definitely hitting his 330 total yards that he needs, especially considering the rushing of 40, 50, 60 yards is 100% in play. Win, lose, either direction, he's definitely going to be running running the ball here. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a beautiful... We haven't talked at all about the Chiefs offense, so let's do that a little bit. First... I know, again, that they lost by 18 that first game, but every single bad bounce went in their direction. Like they had that Byron Pringle fumbled kickoff. Gregory Rousseau picked off that screen. They had the interception that went through the hands of Tyreek Hill for a pick six. There's a roughing the passer call when it was, you know, 12 minutes left. Chiefs down 11. They get the interception at midfield in third and 17. Again, an awful, awful call. So like they had chance to get back into it again. All the bounces went in their opposite direction. I'll lead off with a random number here, okay? I think the Bills and how they play and how aggressive they are with their pass rushers, Patrick Mahomes is going to hit his over 23 and a half rushing yards here. He did it in their first game out as well. I think he got to about 35 or 40, if not more rushing yards than that. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities, especially with the likes of Travis Kelsey calling attention to those linebackers for him to take advantage of these rushing lanes. The dual threat quarterbacks run more when games matter and dual threat quarterbacks run more when they have the chance to be losing. And there's not very often when you can kind of project at least Patrick Mahomes to be in neutral, possibly negative game scripts. So uh, that's not such a bad call. I wanted to point out, the Bills, this was like one of the most ludicrous game plans for the Bills in this game. They played 49 coverage snaps in two high shell this game. That is by far the most that Patrick Mahomes has seen against. The, the next highest was like 29. And they were up at mm. 49. Per, 49 of their dropbacks was in two high coverages. Only 10 were in single high looks. That was like a very distinct game plan. That's like when we started hearing these narratives. Can oh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes beat this? Uh, I think that this offensive line has been blocking so well and Jarek McKinnon gave him a spark. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is probably going to be back and playing in that short yardage role. So I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as it was in that first game. And like, that was like the flukiest game like you outlined ever. So I, I think that this is not going to be what, how many points did they score? Like 
maybe 20 on the back door or something like that, that yeah. I think that they're going to be able to hold their end of the bargain. Tredavious White not being out there, this is going to be like possibly the first game where like that actually becomes a big deal because now Tyreek Hill is going to have um, a plus matchup on, on his own self. Yeah, I said Mahomes had 35 or 40 rushing yards. He had 61 rushing yards the last time they played. Damn. 61. So if we're looking to pick him lobby, which you are right now on the YouTube show, 23 and a half rushing yards is the line over for uh, for Patrick Mahomes. And as we alluded to, Dawson Knox was making plays on the field because the Bills were dictating personnel groupings based on their personnel on offense. And he was being utilized very much so on these deep shots, deep shots on the field. Just a final Final note on what Josh Allen did last week, 10 for 10 for 239 yards and four touchdowns on 10 plus yard throws against the Patriots. We've outlined this a lot. I mean, we've talked about Josh Allen for years. If you could only have the perspective of 2020 and 2021 with Josh Allen, I know this year wasn't perfect. You would easily put him among the top four quarterbacks in the league, like forgetting all the pre-draft narratives, forgetting all of the roller coaster of the early season stuff. He can be high variance. Sure, but talk about running hot and the positive outcomes on a lot of these plays. I'm not one that is now saying eh, there's always negative outcomes there because just his athletic prowess and in an offense that you know motivates that and propels that even more with all these weapons that he has around him, top four status for him, 100%. I mean, he was juking. It's not just like power running. He was like literally juking people out of their shoes last game. Uh, last note I got in the Bills. Devin Singletary is actually running really well. His vision yep. and his cutbacks right now are awesome. And that's why he's not coming off the field, basically. And I can see him being utilized. And this is, could be a matchup where if they have to check hit a couple check downs early on, I think that Devin Singletary projects very well. And I think that's somebody for the gauntlet and the mitten, if you're drafting those still, I think Devin Singletary is one of the best picks out there. I've been very impressed with his um, just vision and overall patience behind this offensive line, uh, one that's pretty healthy right now. There we go. All right. I think that does it for us. Casey, Scrappy, Alpha, Derek, Nick, Sean, everyone else in the chat. We appreciate you. This is going to be one awesome weekend ahead of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We'll be back here probably on Monday, probably on Monday for a little recap show as well. Everyone out there, if you have not tried the special line, you get it this weekend, one receiving yard. It's a free square for Debo Samuel, including a pick two, pick three, heck, even a pick five. Go and play the games that Hayden was talking about. The drafts, either for the rest of the playoffs, those are still available. And also, 22 be- 2022 best ball is already up to oh, so yeah. go and play our games. All right. Thank you all for the support. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. Mm-hmm.